We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second half of the Charger season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs, plus a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A., with a vengeance like the Patriots and the Steelers. Even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia or if you live in Ohio, or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season, and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So, you don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you. Plus, some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So, on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go to TickPick.com slash Charged. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged to get $10 off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You want to say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown, or Derwin James getting a game-ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season, is special. So again, go to TickPick.com slash Charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. Can't wait for uh, this particular episode. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, and joining me as always, my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Um, doing pretty good. Uh, I heard there's some NFL things going on today. Uh, Odell Beckham is in a new place. So, uh, yeah, no, everything's going pretty well. Yeah, everything is going pretty well. We'll talk about that for sure today. Uh, Tyler is here as well, man. How are you doing? 
I'm doing very well. Just have to shout out my fiance Janae. Today is our sixth year anniversary of dating. Uh, love you, hun. All that good stuff. And uh, you don't really watch the show anyway, but I shouted you out because if I didn't, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well done. Well done. Um, also want to give a shout out to all the veterans today. Mm. Uh, obviously a big day in here in the States. Uh, Alex is obviously not in the States, so not a big day for him. But, uh, you know, happy Veterans Day to everyone. My Both my grandfathers were uh, uh, drafted into the Navy. So big appreciation for all those who uh, choose to serve. So happy Veterans Day. Um, that being said, I want to start today with the discourse uh, on Kenneth Murray, because mm. obviously there's been a lot of talk on social media about him potentially changing positions, uh, becoming an edge rusher. Uh, apparently, Brandon Staley ha- said that he has always viewed Kenneth Murray as a linebacker edge hybrid. Today, Ronaldo Hill said that he was working with the edge rushers all throughout training camp which was the first time that we had heard that. I don't think any of us saw that, uh, but it is what it is. So uh, Kenneth Murray potentially uh, working more on the edge. We talked a little bit about this previously when Brandon Staley said that his role was, quote, evolving. Now we know that they want him to be in kind of that hybrid uh, linebacker edge role. Brandon Staley cited particularly Dante Hightower of the Patriots, who's made a rather nice career of that. So has Kyle Van Hoy. Um, but Tyler, what do you make of this particular conversation now that we know that they are wanting Kenneth Murray to uh, work as a linebacker edge hybrid? So, so okay, so we've been to training camp. We went to plenty of training camps, yeah. and Murray was not playing any edge that I was aware of. I didn't see every training camp, but to my knowledge, and I think Arjun's and everyone else here, we didn't see him playing edge. So the idea that they always saw him as that kind of guy doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, I think you talked about uh, what the hell is his name for Micah Parsons working with Demarcus yeah. Lawrence as an edge rusher. Well, we didn't see Murray working on that with, say, Joey Bosa, and it's not like Joey Bosa has is reluctant to give information to other pass rushers, including a Jerry Tillery. He's always been, you know, very vocal and helpful with his information. So we never saw him working with a Kenneth Murray. And the idea that they've always thought of him like this is surprising because they haven't tried him like that. They tried him as a middle linebacker. And granted, I think he had more blitz. Like it seemed like his blitz rate was going to be higher from the middle linebacker position. Sure. I don't think they even blitzed him out from uh, outside of the tackle or anything or as an edge rusher. Um, Definitely a standing over the center kind of guy, rushing a guard kind of guy. And it was actually generally kind of ineffective. I believe of the three linebackers, he did have the lowest pass rush productivity. So it wasn't like the most effective thing. But now here we are. They're putting him as their edge linebacker hybrid. We'll talk about the Drew Tranquil situation in a bit. Um, I, I think at this point, while I am concerned that he goes and finds out that he's not good at that either, and now he's not building himself up as an interior linebacker, which is is, is a concern, um, you know, I think it could sort of work. Micah Parsons, I guess for comparison's sake, Micah Parsons, uh, his pressure rate in the in college was 22 percent and kenneth murray's granted on a third of the rusher snaps from the edge was 18 percent, give or take a few you know points or whatever so you know there it's it's close ish that's a big jump uh, if you took a look at like nfl stats the jump from 22 to 18 would be like 20 something spots but he can kind of do it. it's not like he was awful at it so at this point they need to find a spot for him i'm glad they're trying it out I just don't buy that they've thought all along that he was a inside linebacker edge hybrid because we would have seen them cross-trading that. And for 
all the talk of you know the defense being multiple or even many players being multiple we haven't seen them work that um, we also haven't seen for example like filer move to right tackle where he possibly could i get the reason that they don't but they talk about all those these players being multiple and you know murray has not had the opportunity to showcase that now could that have changed if he had stayed healthy maybe maybe we're just not seeing everything sure but they gave him you know they gave him the scrimmage gave him the preseason a little bit they gave him a bunch of training camp snaps and he never worked edge so I'm glad he's he's trying it out now. I'm glad they're trying him there now. I just I don't buy that they actually really truly wanted to put him at edge this whole time, or at least in a, a hybrid role. Yeah, uh, I don't buy it either. Uh, I think it's just a product of it not working out, and them watching yeah. six games of Kenneth Murray uh, or five games was it uh, of him at linebacker, and then they suddenly go, "Oh, well, now we have to change it up." Um, yeah, so. It's it's the last resort at this point. Like he has to be an OLB, you know, outside linebacker, linebacker hybrid to see if it works. Um, but yeah, I, I don't buy that this was always the plan with him because it wasn't the plan in the last coaching administration. And from what we saw in training camp, like Tyler detailed, it wasn't the plan in this one either. Um, so as far as my confidence level, I mean, I pretty much am at the same place I was last week or the last like yeah. eight times we've had Kenneth Murray at edge discussions, <laughs> um, which is that yeah. he's not Micah Parsons. He could work at and be decent at it. I don't really have uh, a high degree of confidence, but I don't sell it either outright. Like I think it could work, but I mm-hmm. need to see consistent reps of it. Like, you know, as much as we talk about, oh, eight pressures at 43 snaps at Oklahoma. Oh, my God. Like, that's not what he, what he would be doing as a potential permanent edge in the NFL, guys. Like, come on. We yeah. need more sample size. And so I just need to see it. Like, I think there's potential that it could work. Um, but I'm not sold, A, that this was always the idea, like Tyler said. And then, B, uh, this is definitely going to work. I, I think there are a lot of... Uh, bridges to cross to get there. Um, you know, we sold ourselves on Jerry Tillery at Edge last year. That didn't work out. Uh, so, you know, I'm sort of just very wait and see with the Kenneth Murray at Edge stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the only approach. And like, I'm certainly glad that they're trying to find him a position. I my thing is that I just wish that this would be would have been happening since the spring. Like, right. it's great that you think that he compares to Dante Hightower. Why are we not using him from in that kind of fashion from the beginning is my thing. And I, like, I've been very skeptical of, of this whole conversation from the beginning. Like Alex, I, I just, I haven't seen enough information when he was at Oklahoma. Yes. He had a lot of pressures. Yes. He had some uh, pass rush reps, but it was a lot of stunts. It was a lot of blitzing. It's completely different in my opinion than what Micah Parsons was doing, who was legitimately lining up at edge and showing off legitimate pass rushing chops and working with the Marcus Lawrence, as, as Tyler said. So the two situations are very different. If this is their plan for him going forward and it works, then fantastic. I'm obviously open to that. You know, the edge rushers outside of Joey Bosa or opposite of Joey Bosa have not been good enough, frankly. Um, I did credit Uchenna and Wosu with one more pressure than Pro Football Focus did from last week, but that's one pressure on, you know, 17 true pass rush reps. So, it has not been good enough. And so I understand like the thought process, like Ronaldo Hill was saying, we, we, we want this uh, defense to be more versatile. We want this defense to be more athletic. That's great in theory. I just wish that this was happening from the start. And that's my thing is, you know, could this benefit the defense? Sure. Could this benefit Kenneth Murray? Sure. I also think it's mm-hmm. very difficult to make this kind of transition in the middle of the season. And 
everybody says like, well, Kenneth Murray wasn't working at middle linebacker. The reason it wasn't working at middle linebacker is, is a mental thing. In my opinion, it wasn't a lack of physical ability. It was, he was not trusting his instincts. He was not trusting, or he was not reading plays in front of him. And so, yes, this could benefit him, but it, it could also be a detriment to his ability as an inside linebacker, because you're not going to get better as an inside linebacker by playing on the edge. So to me, like this is a fun conversation in theory, but I'm very skeptical of the actual results panning out in a way that benefits Kenneth Murray and benefits the team. That's that's just the way that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, completely understandable. Um, I wanted to bring up this one comment, just sort of a continuation of the conversation from Kelsey. You know, do you feel that Staley has a defensive scheme that requires people to mold over time into hybrid roles? And maybe these players aren't used to doing these things, both physically and mentally. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I say no, only because of the defensive backs that I've seen that they've been working with. Whether that be someone who's a veteran like Chris Harris, who should be able to handle this mentally, or Tavon Campbell, you know, who's moving all over the place. So I don't, I don't yeah. really think that they're like over time molding into hybrid roles to me. Like they had these defensive backs playing all over, even Asante Samuel Jr. as early as day one. So the idea that you know, it's different for, I mean, it, maybe it's different for linebackers. I don't know. Maybe you can coach guys differently, but I don't think the scheme overall, you know, has them mold over time into hybrid roles. You'd like them to get better at it maybe, yeah. but they were asking the defensive backs to do all different things all from the start. Yeah. I think it, like you said, it, it's different for the defensive backs because we have, a lot of evidence of that like we have you know s- several hundred snaps of john johnson in the slot or we have several hundred mm. snaps of troy hill and, and darius williams rotating and, and Jalen ramsey in the slot and outside now we have derwin playing you know all over the place and Tavon campbell like you mentioned and um even alohi gilman has mixed and matched so the secondary mm-hmm. definitely is multiple the secondary is definitely hybrid players but mm. you know i i spent a lot of the summer you know going back and looking at the chicago defense and you know, I didn't see Roquan Smith playing at the edge. I didn't see, you know, mm. Danny Trevathan playing on the edge. I didn't see a whole lot of, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks playing on the edge. It was pretty traditional in the front. Mm. Obviously, you know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, have we've seen them occasionally rush on the interior. But mm-hmm. to me, they're multiple and hybrid in the back end and, and not – they're pretty traditional – in the front seven from, you know, playing edge, playing interior, playing linebacker. Like, I just – to my knowledge, we've never seen a Staley Vangio linebacker rotating at the edge. Like he, not Patrick Wills didn't do that. Navarro Bowman didn't do that. So I, I'm just kind of skeptical of this, the whole thing. And and we just haven't seen a player like that in this in this scheme, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, also I think the circumstances have really justified like what they're doing, right? Whether it's, you know, uh, oh, hey, all our quarterbacks are injured or they have a concussion yeah. or whatever the situation is. And so we have to put new guys in there that we wouldn't necessarily try on outside corner roles before. Maybe we thought of them as more of a slot corner before, right? Like we talked about with uh, someone like Tavon Campbell. And I also don't think it's that they really grow into hybrid roles. I also think the problem is that like a lot of people are talking about the Staley scheme, like he, because the, he runs that too high shell. Like the problem is they don't have the talent on the defensive line right now. like And that's leading to all these other problems, I think on the defense. Yeah. So, you know, to me, when we talk about guys having to do multiple things, I think, I think there is pressure on maybe the second or third levels of the defense because of what that first level in the defense is, particularly against the run. But I don't think that it's really that they're trying to develop everyone in hybrid roles. I think it's more just that 
other players and other pieces uh, have to pick up the slack elsewhere. Yeah, the good news is I was, I was looking through Kenneth Murray's draft profile, and I don't know how you felt this way, Stephen. I didn't grade any of the linebackers or anybody last year, uh, but th three of the four guys at the draft network basically brought up, you know, him reading coverages and or, or excuse me, reading you know the, what the line was doing, uh, what the running back was doing, and the plays in front of him as his biggest weakness. So now he doesn't really have to do that. So hopefully that suits him better. Did you find that that was one of his issues coming out of college as well? Uh, yes, I did. I, it was a lot of see ball, get ball from him. And that was the other thing too, is a lot of his pressures and sacks would have, you know, he did a ton of quarterback spying at Oklahoma, like a mm. ton. Um, and you know, it makes sense in the, in the big 12, where you have a lot of these mobile quarterbacks. So the, the issues with Kenneth Murray as an inside linebacker are all, are all mental in my opinion. And that, that's just kind of the main reason why I'm skeptical of this whole thing is like, you know, you're taking away the experience aspect of things if you're giving him 10 to 15 snaps. And that's the thing, like, you know, it, it could be, you know, five, six snaps a game on the edge. It could be 20. We don't really know where, where their vision is at with this kind of thing. But to me, like his role is an inside is as an inside linebacker. And Brandon Staley was very emphatic of that in the spring. Like that's the other thing we have to talk about too, is that, uh, you know, he was asked pretty clearly uh, mm, during OTAs mm -hmm. if uh, Kenneth Murray was going to be playing on the edge or or on the inside. And he said flat out, Kenneth Murray is an inside linebacker for us. He's going to play off the ball. And mm -hmm. now it's we always envision him as an edge rusher. We look at him as a Dante Hightower type. OK, but do you really? <laughs> right. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I guess my next question then would be if he plays edge. Uh, who loses snaps here in, in this situation? Yeah. Is it Chris Rumpf, who's the worst rookie pass rusher right now in the NFL? Minimum of 30 pass rush snaps. Is it as simple as, you know, Fackerel's out? Is it just put Bosa inside and then Murray's outside? But then again, who's Fackerel's usually the guy on the outside if Bosa plays inside? So who is he? whose snaps is he taking here? Who do you take off the field? Yeah, I, that's the thing too is... Like you, you drafted Chris Rumpf as an edge rusher. You have a Chen Wosu as an edge rusher. Kyler Fackrell. These players are are legitimate edge rushers, and so mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I messaged you, <laughs> laughing about you know Lane Johnson going up against Chris Rumpf and how much of a mismatch it was. Oh just, boy, <laughs> poor guy. Like we couldn't get any reps against Jordan Mailata. You had to put them all against Lane Johnson. Uh, I mean, Jordan Mailata was dragging Jerry Tillery into the end zone too. So <laughs> I don't know how much it would have helped, and it's it's working on Covington. So true. Absolutely. Um, my lot is very good too, but I'm just saying like it, it, it cracked me up because Lane Johnson, you know, he would latch on and then it looked oh. like, it looked like Rumpf was just like paralyzed and couldn't move. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like that's the other thing is like, sure. He's probably better than Chris Rumpf at this point. You know, Rumpf needs to bulk up quite a bit, but Rumpf also needs those snaps to develop. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of iffy there, you know, fact roll and also haven't been great. But like I said, they have years and years and years of experience at that position. And right. even though they're kind of struggling, I still trust them more than Kenneth Murray out there. I just want to watch Kenneth Murray play again before yes. I talk about yes. Kenneth Murray at 45 different positions. Like, let's just get him back <laughs> on the field before we talk about all these hypotheticals on Twitter. Just, just, just play, please. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, any other thoughts here before we dive into this matchup? All right. Uh, so as always, we're going to uh, give our big picture uh, takeaways here from 
the Chargers matchup with the Vikings. And uh, I'll start this one off. I think for me, uh, it, it's what Vikings team are we going to get in this one? Because we've seen the Vikings go into Arizona and play an incredible game, at least on offense, and, and theoretically should have won that game. We've seen them play really well for stretches against the Baltimore Ravens, take them to overtime. We've also seen them lose to the Detroit or almost lose to the Detroit Lions, excuse me, uh, needing a, a last minute, you know, 35 second drive to, with a field goal to beat the Detroit Lions. You know, there's talk of Mike Zimmer potentially being fired soon. There's talk of uh, obviously the COVID situation with the Vikings is not great right now. So to me, it's just what what Vikings team is going to show up in this one. You know, Justin Jefferson has gotten like five targets in the last couple of weeks, uh, which just makes zero sense. And so the Vikings are incredibly streaky. They are incredibly inconsistent. There's a lot of drama surrounding this team. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious to see how locked in are the Minnesota Vikings. Because if they are, mm. I think this is a, a matchup that, kind of scares me especially with all the injuries mm -hmm. about drew tranquil situation so if the vikings are locked in i'm nervous if we see the vikings uh that played the detroit lions i'm not that nervous but i think there's a legitimate uh case to be made that this team is a playoff team i think there's a legitimate case to be made that they're probably headed towards a top 10 pick so i don't really know what to make of the minnesota vikings as a whole uh, and I, and I'm hoping that this game kind of provides some clarity for them because this is an interesting matchup. Like I said, if it, if the, like, if the Vikings are all locked in, then I'm a little nervous. If they're not, then I think the chargers probably should win this one. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Vikings. They remind me uh, a little bit of like the classic 2015 to like 2020 Philip Rivers chargers where they're like, <laughs> all, they're always Pretty like much. one game, one game from elimination yeah. and one game from being a top five team and one game from the playoffs. Yeah, because um, they they can always be that. Uh, but my yeah, my main storyline is the elephant in the room. I mean, it's Dalvin Cook. Uh, how are you going to stop him? <laughs> because jeez, yeah. and Madison's good too. Yeah, Madison's yeah. good too. Like man, jeez. I mean, look, we just play the Eagles. It doesn't matter what running back they put out there. It's going to be the same thing every time. It doesn't matter if it's Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, or Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. You know, frankly, at this point, so um, yeah, no, it's just going to be what kind of adjustments do they think they can make? What Pop, does Kenneth Murray have as a linebacker that maybe calms the running game down a little bit? Um, mm -hmm. Because it's really bad right now. And uh, I don't know how they're going to really adjust it because as much as we talk about like, oh, you know, Justin Jefferson's only had five targets these last few games. If Dalvin Cook runs how Dalvin Cook can run against this Chargers team, like <laughs> you might not need to target him more than three times. <laughs> like, I mean, that's True. just the reality of the game. Um, not, you know, obviously I think Devonta Smith had five catches last week, but uh, mm -hmm. and Cook's Chris Harris, unfortunately, but uh, you know, I, I don't think you need to take too many deep shots considering what this Chargers run defense is right now. So, uh, yeah, I I just think that's the biggest storyline for me. No other real threat, I think, in their offense. Like, obviously, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are good, and they're going to get theirs at points in this game. But I think they mm -hmm. can sort of live with that versus if the Vikings can control the clock with Dalvin cook and are just chomping away five or six yards per yeah. attempt, that's going to be really problematic. And we saw that against the first half in the Eagles game, not so much in the second half, they did improve a little bit, but just, you know, which team are we kind of going to get in this game when it comes to the defensive line, particularly the interior defensive line uh, against mm -hmm. Dalvin cook and that rushing attack. 
Yeah, as it pertains to the Vikings and which team will show up, I think the Vikings are right behind the Chargers for most one-score losses over the last two seasons. And I mean, at the rate they're going, they're going to surpass the Chargers. That team, for yeah. whatever reason, cannot hang in there in the end for all sorts of reasons. And as far as Cook goes, you know, I think most of us didn't like the toss plays that the Chargers ran against the Eagles. I watched the Vikings and the Ravens game. I think like the third run of the game, Cook took a toss play of like 62 yards. Yeah. And Justin Jefferson became a human windmill for whatever reason. So <laughs> that was that, that play. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. So stopping him, you know, the over under is probably 200 yards. And I'm probably <laughs> still taking the over on that one. Um, but the storyline for me, especially because I've been trying to pay attention to it the last couple of weeks, can the Chargers find and keep that same rhythm on offense that they showed against the Eagles? And yeah, frankly, I'm kind of tired of hearing the criticism of Lombardi following that game. That doesn't make any sense to me. It was an excellent game plan. And like 90% of the calls were perfect. Everyone wants the deep shot and everyone asks for that deep shot. But most people aren't noticing the three plays out of the same look to three different players that set up that deep shot to a fourth player. And then a play after that deep shot that was set up by all four of those previous plays. So, you know, to me, Herbert looked masterful, very comfortable in that offense. There was a play against the Patriots where Parham was supposed to block going down the line of scrimmage. And he like didn't for whatever reason. And Herbert yeah. just could not find Mike Williams on the deep over. That same thing happened in the Eagles game. And Herbert, you know, Parham, I think that Ed Richard just took a very long, like rounded sort of way to get there. So I think it was kind of awkward for Parham. Parham didn't block the guy again doing the same thing. But this time Herbert was able to find Allen on that deep over. Now that's Eagles defense versus Patriots defense. But Herbert just looked very comfortable. Yeah. It just let him be a smart quarterback, but also let him be an athletic quarterback. Lots of pre-snap motion quarterback movement like you said in your breakdown about a third or a quarter of his throws rpos getting the tight ends involved roberts got a carry eckler got a screen we did barely see that allen got a screen allen was in the backfield on a play even the toss plays were good in theory just not an execution although i think they did have two runs two toss plays that had like pretty solid gains in the fourth quarter they just they look like they've moved towards an offense that fritz herbert's legs and his brain as much as his arm but yeah. does that continue? I think it can if the offensive line holds up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've seen, you know, bits and pieces of that throughout the season, right? Like the Chiefs were mm-hmm. a good example. The Chiefs game was a good example of that. Um, a little bit of the Browns game was definitely some uh, aided by some coverage breakdowns by the Browns. But we saw it then, too. Um, mm-hmm. But the Eagles game, you know, Keenan Allen said that he felt like that was the most complete game the offense had played. And yep. I tend to agree with that. I, I thought that they mm-hmm. moved the ball pretty much at will. Again, the Eagles defense is is not great. I saw uh, one of the fantasy football guys pointed out uh, that teams are completing like 75% of their passes against the Eagles, <laughs> which is just like outrageous. Um, so, you know, it, it is, you know, definitely have to take into consideration the opponent, but they were in rhythm pretty much the entire game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, Tyler mentioned I did a, a breakdown on kind of the protection plan against the eagles and of course they didn't blitz a ton but i just really i love lombardi's plan of attack against the eagles and i hope that we see more of that continue obviously did not love the toss play to joshua kelly but outside of that i thought joe lombardi had a really really good day and you know we need to see that continue i thought he called a a pretty good game against the patriots not as good as the eagles game so we need Mm -hmm. to see lombardi kind of build off that so i think that's a good point as well um, little nugget from Brandon Staley. Uh, he was asked about the Vikings running backs and he talked about Alexander Madison first. He didn't talk about Devin Cook first. He specifically <laughs> praised Alexander hmm. Madison 
who is a free agent after this season. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Cool. Does he catch passes or get more than one <laughs> yard? Because if he does, I'll sign him. I'll if he averages more than 2.5 yards per carry and can <laughs> run faster than a 4 or 7, put him in powder blue. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. But, hmm. uh, you know, to, to Alex's point, just getting back there, I, I think Justin Jones' return has helped this run defense. And I thought he had a really, really good game. I thought Lamont Joseph had a great game. It mm-hmm. just... Like they're missing like a true like game wrecking edge rusher and then like can really consistent play from, right like just one linebacker against the run. Like I think Traquel and White have their moments, but I think that you know, you look at a team like the Browns who have Jadavian Clowney, and like everybody always makes fun of Jadavian Clowney, but the best thing that he does is completely wreck games as an edge rusher. So that to me is kind of what they're missing alongside, you know, replace getting an upgrade over Jerry Tillery. But I think the defense is kind of close to, you know, building some momentum in the run game. I'm not going to say like becoming an above average run defense, but I think they're close with Justin Jones to not being a complete liability. Yeah, I, I, I think that they can be better. Obviously, you have Justin Jones and Laval Joseph on the field. Um, but now Tranquil going out and then Kenneth Murray coming back into that linebacker role for now, like Kenneth Murray wasn't doing too hot against the run, you know, when he was healthy. So that's going to be, I think a problem. Um, but yeah, to me, like, I I think the run, because you have Justin Jones now, I think things are a little bit stabilized at least. I don't think they will be, you know, bottom 32 run defense every week. Um, but I do think they at least need one of Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington to just not get pushed around like that. That's just frankly what they need from the outset. And if one of those guys has at least a reliable game, then I think the run defense can be pretty good uh, on on an individual week. If both of those guys are really struggling to like get inside uh, and, and get run stops, then it's, it's going to be a problem. Like, because then you just have two guys on your defensive line uh, in addition to, you know, potentially an edge player or potentially someone else that are just, you know, not getting any real push on every play. So, like, that's just kind of playing from behind immediately unless you obviously have, you know, the safeties come down and, and blitz and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, no, that, I think that's just the situation with run defense. But I think it's going in the right direction. We're yeah. going from 32 <laughs> to 23, maybe, Maybe on a maybe 31 and a half, <laughs> perhaps. <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the injury updates. It's a mm-hmm. much longer injury report than we are, have been used <sighs> to the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, we mentioned it, of course. Drew Tranquil is kind of the big story. Uh, well, there are mm-hmm. a few big stories for this week, but uh, Drew Tranquil unfortunately testing positive for COVID. He is vaccinated. I know that there were a bunch of people. Uh, bringing up some of his past comments, he he has received uh, the Johnson and Johnson Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, so we know that if he tests negative for the next two days, he could theoretically play. Um, of course, that really depends on the the positive or negative test. So we will assume uh, we'll know that by tomorrow if he's going to play or not. So. Um, that really throws in a wrench into the whole Kenneth Murray edge thing because if Kenneth Murray is activated, he's going to be taking all the snaps at inside linebacker. Um, and so this is just an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Obviously, you wish, you know, 
we've never really seen these three players on the field all at once or, or like be in a rotation all at once. Um, and, and it just kind of sucks for Drew Tranquil to uh, be positive. Hope he's feeling okay today. Yeah, definitely a surprise. Again, I'm glad he's vaccinated for this particular reason, not just to miss this or to try to avoid missing this game, but also the following game. He could potentially miss two games if he yeah. weren't. He is, so that's great. He might be back, and the Chargers definitely need him on the field. Um, so the last time Tranquil didn't play was the Ravens game, right? Yeah. That worked out really well. <laughs> so let's pray for something good. Yeah, um, I will spend the next 48 hours uh, praying for two negative tests. <laughs> for yeah. um, I mean, that's just kind of the situation with it right now. Um, I, I don't think they're as boned maybe as they would be against the Ravens if he doesn't play just because I mean Kirk Cousins isn't the potential running threat that Lamar is so at least sure. you don't have to like take care of that um yeah but Le'Veon but Bell versus Dalvin Cook <laughs> well yeah no I, I think that part's true but I also just think the running, right the Ravens running mm-hmm. back doesn't matter as much right like they can get Le'Veon Bell or Latavius right. or any of Freeman, any of those guys who can like run on you just because they Lamar creates that kind of space versus Kirk yeah. Cousins is not, you know, intimidating anyone with his legs, you know. Uh, so I think that is kind of the difference. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. Um, but yeah, I I can't say I have the most confidence if Drew Tranquil doesn't play, but I think this is a mm-hmm. game they can survive um potentially without him a little better than the ravens game uh but obviously like i'm very tentative on that better does yeah. not mean that better is better than 34 to 6 but <laughs> I, I don't know you know we'll see what the kind of run game is this week so i i do hope that kenneth murray is a little bit better because if kenneth murray truly is better than he was playing and you know he's kind of got the injury and stuff figured out then i think that the chargers will be okay this game if not, then obviously they could be in for a long day on the ground. Yeah, and obviously a, lo- a lot of that hinges upon uh, Kenneth Murray's potential return. And I'd be curious to see if he does come back in this one. Are, are they giving him 100% mm-hmm. of the snaps? Are they rotating Eamon Ogbong-Mamiga in there? I saw him a couple times against the Eagles uh, you know, on film when I didn't notice him in the game. So mm-hmm. um, you know, that could be something to keep an eye on, but... I can see what Alex is saying because the Ravens with Lamar do so much option heavy looks, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's really kind of the the focal point of their run game. So it's a lot more taxing mentally as well as physically, whereas with, you know, playing a traditional run team like the Vikings, uh, you just have to kind of read where the blocks are going and go make a play. So I can see what Alex is saying from a linebacker standpoint, being, you know, a little more comfortable with Amen or Kenneth Murray in this one, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Another thing that we haven't really talked about is Ryan Smith. He has torn his ACL. He is not on injured reserve yet, which I'm pretty confused at, given that, you know, traditionally yeah. we see that happen almost immediately. Uh, Brandon Slade did confirm again yesterday that he did tear his ACL. So we haven't seen them bring in a corner. We haven't seen them activate a corner or any of that kind of stuff. Hmm. Uh, which I, I'm pretty concerned about because I would like to have seen some kind of move made this week, especially with Michael Davis potentially being out and Asante Sam Jr. on concussion protocol still. So uh, I'm a little concerned about the cornerback room in this one, uh, and I haven't even talked about Chris Harris yet. 
<laughs> I don't think you need to. <laughs> yeah, I, I just kind of thought that the corresponding move for Ryan Smith was going to be Kenneth Murray. I mean, obviously, like they could activate like sure, that's DeAndre true. Thomas or something, or you mm-hmm. know, we'll see. We'll see what that happens. But that's sort of what I thought they were going to do. But there's kind of a monkey wrench thrown into that now because well, now Drew Tranquil's on COVID reserve and he might not come off for Sunday. So then you yeah. probably have two spots to fill one, which will be Ryan Smith for Kenneth Murray, I guess, and then Drew Tranquil for someone else, um, you know, potentially in the practice squad. So we'll see. Um, the cornerback room does concern me. Uh, I mean, I talked about this even after the Eagles game. I was like, yeah, good, good performance from the secondary, other than Chris Harris. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you do have to play Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen next week. And, and despite, yeah. you know, the Vikings not quite having it together with those two this season, this would be the game to figure it out with, without Michael Davis there. But yeah. I think if Asante Samuel plays, they'll be relatively fine. Um, but if they're losing Samuel and Davis again, that is an uphill battle to climb in addition to the uphill battles that we've talked about in the linebacker room and defensive line room. Yeah, their injury that we haven't talked about yet that I'm most concerned with is, is Nasir Adderley. I don't know when he got hurt or what happened. But him being did not practice the last two days is not a good sign. Um, I thought he had an outstanding game against the Eagles in run stops or in run support in coverage on special teams. He showed up on special teams too. And so for him to be out in this game against Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, and then you also had the um, the, the Vikings kick, kickoff returner return a kick for a touchdown last week. So that's right. Everywhere that's you're right. going to need a Nasir Adderley, and he's not there anymore, <laughs> which also might take Derwin James away from the box to help against the run. It's a big injury. That's the one that concerns me the most. Yeah, I, I thought Asir Adderley was fantastic against the Eagles. I love the way that he is seeing things and playing and playing physical. Uh, I know that Daniel Popper was asking the coaches about uh, the lack of turnovers, but I, I think he's you know close in that regard. I, you know, I'm just you know so impressed with the improvement as a tackler um, and seeing just things from a mental standpoint. Um, so that one is definitely concerning. Although Staley said that he was sore um on wednesday so maybe this is kind of the joey bosa treatment mike williams treatment where they just hold him out of practice and then let him play the good news there austin eckler too thank you the good news there is that alohi gilman seems to be trending towards playing which i can't believe that sentence came out of my mouth you know alohi gilman has been really solid i think back there Mm -hmm. um so i i think gilman and adderley will be okay um and I think that's a much less significant loss than uh, dealing with another week of Michael Davis being out. And Brandon Slady did say on Wednesday he feels like he's a week away. Um, Asante mm-hmm. Samuel Jr. is in concussion protocol, like I mentioned, but he's practiced in full the last two days. So getting Samuel back this week uh, would obviously be huge. How is he allowed to practice if he's still in concussion protocol? I didn't realize that's how it worked. Well, it, the whole protocol, right, is like you have to pass these tests and like you have to build and build and build and build. Um, mm-hmm. So the the protocol is just to make sure that he is progressing and make sure that, you know, when he practices okay. that his, you know, headaches or whatever the, the symptoms are, are not popping back up. So it, I think Samuel has a good chance of playing this week, which is obviously huge. Yeah, that's huge. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, the other one. Uh, another player who it seems to be a week away is Justin Jackson. So we're looking at another week. Uh, uh. Joshua <laughs> Kelly and Larry Roundtree. 
Um, so I love those I guys. Love, yeah, so they're just great people. Um, yes, they are. <laughs> I uh, I tweeted this out when I was watching the film back, and I just uh, it's it's such a tough watch. You know, Larry Roundtree uh, gets you know quite a big push from the offensive line on on a crucial second down. Uh, and he runs right into a, the defensive player who's being blocked by Steven Anderson. And there is like, oh. it's like literally do anything else, man, anything else. Um, Joshua Kelly, I, I think it, it's such a weird fall from grace, right? Because he did play so well in the first two games in the training camp. But I, I think the biggest thing for me from a Joshua Kelly standpoint is that as soon as he makes contact, his feet are stopped. He gets stonewalled and does not move forward. Um, at all and so I think you look at Austin Eckler talked about this you know his strength or one of his strengths is that he is always keeping his feet moving he's always looking for more yards after contact and that is not really happening from Kelly and Roundtree right now so that's a big problem I said after the game that I would prefer Darius Bradwell at this point Mm -hmm. just give me someone who can create some yards after contact besides Austin Eckler well, I mean, uh, yeah, I think the real problem to me is also that Austin Eckler's banged up, right? And so yes. you can't, like, ride him as much as they were maybe earlier in the year um, or he's going to break, right? Like, that's sort of the problem. Yeah. So the fact that they don't have someone right now, usually it is Justin Jackson who could relieve stress off of him. Um, I, I do think that is pretty problematic. And, you know, we just got to kind of hope every week that, hey, Joshua Kelly gets it going, Larry Rancher gets it going, and we're good. Um not much confidence I can have there at this point, though. So I've just got to see it first. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, Justin Jackson seems like he's probably going to be out this game. And that's unfortunate also just from a receiving standpoint because they don't think Roundtree and Kelly have much value in that department either, whereas Jackson can. Um, so got to have to be another Austin Eckler balls out kind of game. God, I, I do not want to watch these two again. But if I do have to watch them, you know, I guess it's a criticism of Lombardi. Get them some targets. Get them some sort of pass. Sure. A screen pass, a swing pass, whatever. Try to get them involved in some way that isn't a run play. It's like, it honestly, it feels like Kalen Balaj again, where every time he's in, it's a run play. Like, I know these guys aren't receiving backs, but try something different. Otherwise, everyone's just going to, st- like, no one's going to pretend like it's a pass play at all when these guys are in. I mean, well, sure, but. <laughs> Like you expect a run out of these guys, do yeah. something else with them because at this point they have two catches. Like do something else. Yeah, I, I know with Roundtree in particular, it's like a run up the middle or he's a pass protector. So yeah, uh, it, it, it definitely is. You know, from their standpoint, like I definitely would be frustrated at the usage, but like I, I need a pulse from those two. Like just I, I, like man, if they could get you know 25, 30 yards as opposed to seven, like that'd be a, a big step up. Mm-hmm. Although uh, I think well, the narrative so- certainly would have changed. The narrative certainly would have changed if Herbert had handed it off rather than thrown it to Parham in the end zone. I think they're on the RPO yeah, as a yeah. roundtree play that he was. He could have walked in behind Filer or whoever it was. But that's one play, and I think it was because of the line. But the narrative sort of would have changed. So maybe, yeah. maybe this week he just hands it off. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, uh, Keenan Allen and Jelly Bosa are on the injury report right now. I'm pretty certain that they will play obviously it's not ideal but uh i assume that's just them being careful from a viking standpoint of things um anthony barr has not practiced uh either of these two days he's listed as a knee injury 
Uh, mm. I was talking with uh, our Vikings preview uh, host yesterday, um, and he did not seem pretty confident that Barr would be playing in this one, uh, just kind of given the discourse from Mike Zimmer. So if he's not able to play, that means that we would see uh, Nick Vigil, former Charger, starting against his former team uh, Great. next to Eric Kendricks. That's great. I, I know how that game is going to go then. Um, <laughs> did you see who got an interception last week, though, for the Vikings? I sure did. I sure did. I, we will be talking about him in a second. Don't you worry. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I, I won't say anything. Okay. Uh, the other injury from the Vikings, defensive tackle Michael Pierce uh, has not practiced this week and doesn't really seem to be playing either. Uh, his backup, James Lynch, uh, is also on the injury report listed with a toe injury. So, uh, Anthony Barr, Michael Pierce not being out, uh, I think definitely helps uh, Austin Eckler in the Chargers run game, in my opinion, given what we know about uh, those two backups. Yeah, I mean, I also think potentially you kind of got to mention their COVID situation as well, because um, yeah. they haven't had a ton of guys test positive after that. Uh, I forget which player it was that went to the hospital, but um, mm-hmm. I mean... Dakota Dozier. Right, Dakota Dozier. So... Uh, but there's also incubation periods and stuff like that. So there's guys who've gotten COVID later uh, than the initial contact date. And so that's going to be something to watch over the next, you know, 72 hours really until game time as well. So we just have no news on that. Like, is there, is it just, there's no news. So we assume they tested negative. Like, is that what we're assuming? Yeah. I know that, I know uh, that Zimmer said yesterday that they're all still, they're all still trying to figure out who, uh, has been close contact, who is not. Mm-hmm. So, um, everything is business as usual as far as I know there. Um, but I think he's mentioned like 27 players, like potentially at risk. So, um, you know, uh, of course, Harrison Smith is not going to be playing in this matchup, um, because he tested positive and is not vaccinated. So, and then you have Dakota Dozier as well. So, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on tomorrow. I suppose Minnesota should just forfeit the game then. Just save us the time. You know? <laughs> Your 27 players test positive. Safer for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, Uh, let's move on now and talk about some of our key matchups. I see some of you in the chat asking some questions. We will definitely get to those um, after we finish our episodes, and don't worry. Um, But let's talk about these key matchups and X-Factors. Alex, we'll start with you. What is uh, the matchup that you are most concerned about or focusing in on this week? Yeah, um, 
I don't know. I, I guess last week I did sort of talk about Keenan Allen versus Darius Slay, and then Keenan Allen versus Darius Slay didn't really happen. It was sort of Keenan Allen on a lot of guys, um, and yeah, know, chewed mm-hmm. him up and spit him out. Um, yeah, Slay was mostly he, on Mike Williams. Yeah, um, and you know, got unfortunately bullied by Parham uh, on the run to the end zone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I mean, I think it's really Keenan. Uh, versus the Vikings DBs. I don't know if they're going to throw one particular mm-hmm. DB at him. Obviously, you have uh, Bashad Breeland there. That could be a thing. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how they go about it. And I think they need another big game from Keenan again. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. kind of got back into the swing of things last week. So uh, this, this is sort of a game where I think they need him to step up obviously and then that opens the door for mike williams and all the other options like the eagles many times double covered keenan allen um and so you know if you do that that leaves jared cook open and he'll get to the end zone or close to it right so um i think how the vikings decide to cover keenan allen this game is going to be uh really intriguing and key to the offense right especially because the running game might not be that great if Eckler is banged up and the other two running backs aren't producing. So I think it's going to kind of be on Keenan Allen to create a lot of that space for himself uh, and the rest of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought the way that the Chargers used him last week was was pretty typical of what he had seen with Phil Rivers and Keenan Allen. You know, a lot of uh, plays in space, quick game, things like that. Um, you know, I, I think one of my... Uh, little complaints about Joe Lombardi. Please give the yards after the catch plays to somebody else because that's just not Keenan Allen at this point in his career. Uh, would love to see Andre Roberts get in those, you know, Josh Palmer, uh, somebody with a little more quickness after the catch because they had this, they had the one uh, like quick screen to Keenan Allen and he could have gone outside, could have gone inside and easily gotten, you know, at least eight yards and he got tackled for four yards. So but would love to see uh, other players get those uh, opportunities. Um, the key matchup for me of this one is uh, Justin Jones and Limbaugh Joseph against mm. the Vikings interior offensive line and specifically uh, against the pa- in the pass rush because you have uh, Garrett Bradbury has allowed 17 pressures through nine games, which is the most in the league am- amongst centers. Uh, Oli Udo is their right guard. He's allowed 21 <laughs> pressures which is the 10th most in the league. He left last week early, a little banged up right now, mm. but he practiced in full today. Uh, and then their left guard, Ezra Cleveland, uh, a guy I was pretty high on in the draft. He's been solid, but he's allowed mm-hmm. 16 pressures, which is tied for 21st most in the league. So theoretically, this is a one, This mm. is a matchup where Linfaugh Joseph and Justin Jones should be able to really make an impact as pass rushers. I thought... Uh, Justin Jones had some really good rushes. I credited him with three pressures. PFF credited him with two. Um, I credited Lamont Joseph with one. PFF did not credit him with any. Um, so we've seen some really good moments from those two as pass rushers. Uh, and I think we might see a big game from one of them as a pass rusher just because the interior of the Vikings offensive line has not been very good, particularly, like I mentioned, uh, Garrett Bradbury and Oli Udo. What a name. That kind of bleeds into my key matchup, which is um, one, the edge rusher versus Christian Derrissaw, and two, Joey Bosa's movement. I liked Derrissaw a lot. He wasn't, he wasn't far behind Slater as my OT3. He's played pretty well despite having no training camp or preseason, and not playing, I think, the first five weeks of the year. Only four pressures allowed the last three games against a good variety of edge rushers. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm going to watch just purely for my own draft grades. And also, I just want to see Joey Bosa, and I think he will, 
work more inside this game and talk to Arjun about this. Arjun suggested that this is possible. And considering those numbers you just said, that makes sense. Sure. Maybe he gets, you know, run for Murray on the edge or whatever, um, or just get Fackrell and Mosu out there. Most of the sack versus the Eagles came on a rep versus a guard. Brandon Thorne gave him the high quality sack for it because he smashed the guard into the quarterback yeah. to cause the sack. Awesome. Um, so they're, yeah, no, amazing play for sure. So the interior is, it can be had. And so I want to see a edge rushers versus Christian Derrissaw sort of because, well, you know, you got to beat the get to beat the tackles to get to the quarterback. But also I want to see him for the, the draft grades and see how he progresses. And B, yeah, let's have Joey Bosa go against these guards because it's worked. It's a great way to get him one-on-one. And these guys aren't very good, apparently, on the interior. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ready for Joey Bosa to be playing on the interior a little bit more. I think that is uh, something that he has mentioned and, and you know uh, said after the Patriots game that he thought that would happen anymore. It happened a lot against the Ravens, I think, um like 18 snaps or something like that that he had that day came as the four i against the guards um so interesting in that one so uh tease him earlier x factor of the day usually i pick a chargers player for this one uh, let's hear it it's, it's cameron bynum of the vikings because he was somebody that i loved in this draft class i had him had him in my top 50 um he was a cornerback for the university of cal now he's mm-hmm. playing safety for um, love it for the Minnesota Vikings. And in his first start in place of Harrison Smith, he had 11 tackles and his first career interception. He was awesome on Sunday against the Ravens. The issue is that he's a rookie. He's playing a different (laughs) position. He played free Mm -hmm. safety and slot corner primarily in the preseason. Um, Now Mm -hmm. he's playing strong safety uh, in Harrison Smith's absence. So I am curious to see how the Chargers, you know, kind of attack this thing because they also have Cameron Dantzler, who's not been playing very great uh, on the outside in Patrick Peterson's absence. And the Minnesota Vikings have primarily been a top five passing defense in DVOA uh, rankings. And so their pass defense has been kind of the strength of, of the team after they revamped the secondary. So I'm curious to see particularly if Cameron Bynum can keep that kind of game up. Is this a more of a bounce back to the mean? Does he struggle? Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's going to be lining up in coverage against the Chargers tight ends, against Austin Eckler. So this to me is an X factor. Um, I guess you could put it as a key matchup. Uh, but I'm like Tyler mentioned with Christian Derrissaw, I'm curious for my own draft purposes about Cameron Bynum. Good to see him up close and personal this week. Uh, and just really can't wait to see how the Chargers uh, potentially attack that one. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Bynum was a guy both of us liked, and we were really surprised at some point that the draft network had him at like 300 or something crazy. You could take him yeah. in like the 19th round at that point. Yeah. Um, but he, him playing safety is great. I think it's a great spot to put him at. Him yeah. playing strong safety, I actually kind of like. So he was really solid against the run. I thought he did really good instincts. He just wasn't much of an athlete. I didn't think he was much of a outside boundary follow a guy one-on-one corner. Yeah. But as a safety, I like that for him. So that's I'm definitely interested in watching that. I didn't realize... That's what he was doing, and especially in place of Smith. So that's a good one there. My X Factor. Okay, I'm going to get it right this time. He's going to be active this time. I'm going with Trey McKitty. And <laughs> I'm assuming he's going to be active this game as well. He wasn't the last time I picked him. But he had some really good blocks. I, I remember at least two of his blocks helped spring runs of 10-plus yards. He did. He did. Maybe they get him involved in the passing game. The tight ends were definitely involved last week. I don't know if they'll go You know, give McKitty 
a snap or not a snap a reception in this game because they went to cook and to parm and to anderson so by the time they get to him i don't think they're going to do anything with him in the passing game but as a blocker he looks really good i think if he continues that momentum great that would be you know especially if all the really all the tight ends continue to progress that's a reason to let jared cook go and i thought cook was super reliable against the eagles and did a really really good job um, i don't think he dropped anything and he did really great after the catch but if you have a blocker like mckitty I think now you can officially put three good blockers on the field because Cook is kind of hit or miss as a blocker. Some of it's like getting in the way fine yeah. or it's just kind of terrible. Whereas McKinney's like an actual blocker, like block one guy, climb to the second level blocker. So if you get him as a blocker, Parham as a blocker, Anderson's a good blocker, sort of in a different role. That's a really, really good trio of blocking tight ends who can also do something. So he's my X factor. Does he have four snaps? Sure. But hey, I don't want to pick a starter. I like him as my X factor this week yeah okay uh i'm gonna go with uh tavon campbell um i think that he yeah. is kind of the most important x factor in this game sort of regardless yeah. of whether uh sante samuel jr plays or not um so uh, you're going to need him as the kind of prototypical speed guy anyway uh yeah. either to potentially put him on jefferson or Thielen. really either one uh you know we're assuming obviously michael davis won't play asj is up in the air as to whether he passes concussion protocol but um, after watching film uh, of Chris Harris on Devontae Smith, <laughs> I want literally anyone else than Chris Harris on Justin Jefferson. Uh, and it can be anyone on the field, the ball boy, I don't care. Uh, just put someone else other than Chris Harris on Justin Jefferson. So to me, that person probably is going to be Devon Campbell this game. Um, I think Asante Samuel mm-hmm. Jr., you know, that can be him on some plays. But I trust Tavon Campbell a little bit more with his kind of speed and instincts at this point to just go one on one with a guy. I think ASJ kind of plays a little bit all over the field. Um, so, you know, also he's also his first week coming back off the concussion protocol. It doesn't seem like the smartest thing to just stick him on Jefferson the whole game and let him go. Um, so I think that's kind of going to be Tavon Campbell's spot this game. So, uh, and I sure hope it's not Chris Harris uh, because that will create some problems on the post game podcast, but uh, yes. whatever his role is this game, I think Devon Campbell with his speed, with his instincts in place of Michael Davis um, is kind of going to be the most important quarter on the field. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. And, you know, the Vikings, they really rotate their three main receivers. KJ Osborne is kind of been become that third mm-hmm. one for them. Um, they kind of rotate them all around. Osborne has taken the most snaps out of the slot of the three, which is good. But I also think, you know, this team would be smart enough to realize what is happening for the Chargers in the slot and get Justin Jefferson more often there. Um, so I think that uh, having Tavon Campbell follow him and maybe, you know, kind of shadow him like he did Tyree Kill, I think would be a, a much better plan of attack in this one for sure. Could be a, a draw, not a draft implications. What well, kind of like a free agency 2022 implications sort of day for him? If he has a good game, granted, it's only one good game, but he's been building to this. Yeah. I don't really think he's had like a true, like he's going to be just a starter versus an excellent receiver for an entire game sort of game. And so if he can play really well here, that's a great reason to A, maybe not take a DB so early next year. And of course, let Chris Harris Jr. go. So I, I'm really hoping for a good game from him because he's he's, he's built up to it. He's earned it. He deserves to have a good game. And if he's a good game, we can we can get rid of Chris Harris. <laughs> they should move on from Chris Harris if Tavon Campbell poops his pants on the field. Uh, cap-wise, <laughs> dollars-wise, age-wise, doesn't matter. Yeah. 
No, I, 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 it's so funny to me. Like the coaches have definitely uh, developed like their go-to coach speak. And whenever they talk about someone that has not been performing well, it's like, well, he's doing everything we ask. It's like, okay, coach, but like, come on. <laughs> he <laughs> has a pulse. Else, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a low bar. Like every time that they've been asked about like Jerry Tillery or Chris Harris or like anybody that's been struggling, it's like, well, he's doing everything we ask. That's a very low bar coach. <laughs> Um, all right, let's uh, any other thoughts here on uh, key matchups or X Factor, guys? Nope, no. Um, I will say, uh, really quickly, I think Everson Griffin against Rashawn Slater is really an interesting matchup mm. in this one. Uh, Griffin has really primarily rushed against the left tackles this year, he's having a really good season, kind of a, a resurgent season for them. He's got 30 pressures, which is uh, just one less than Joey Bosa. So he's tied for 19th most pressure. He's got five sacks. So he's having a good season. Um, so this is going to be a little bit more of a, a test than Derek Barnett uh, last week was, who Rashawn Slater really clamped. So I have the full confidence that Slater is going to have a good one, a good performance in this one. But uh, Everson Griffin, I think, is somebody to keep an eye on. Maybe they move him to the other side, like we've seen from the other rushers uh, against the Chargers. Hey, you know, I'm going to give credit to Storm Norton then just – Aside from, you know, this matchup, like last week, I thought he played pretty well. Can he handle Everson Griffin? Eh. But he played pretty well last game, and I have some, I have some faith in him. He did. All right, uh, let's move on to our Bolt predictions. We do this every single week. It's been a fun segment for us. Um, Alex, we'll start with you. What is your Bolt prediction of uh, this matchup? Yeah, um, I picked Devonta Smith under 50 yards last week, so I'm stupid. Don't listen to me. <laughs> um, well, you anyway, also got the score prediction right. Yeah, I did get that right, so I guess it balances out. Uh, so I'm going to go Mike Williams over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think that's relatively bold given his last few weeks where he's sort of been sprinkled in in the offense here with deep shots. Um, but I think they get back a little bit to that more quick passing game with him. Um, maybe mm -hmm. sort of um, in a sense like we saw a little bit against the Chiefs. Um, I think you could see a little bit more of that. So to me, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that this is a game where they get back to the Mike Williams thing, or I'm kind of hoping they do. Um, I mean, I like the deep shot from Williams to Herbert last week, uh, or from Herbert to Williams last week, but I want to see him a little bit more involved play to play than just that. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he did what he had to do um and did what the coaching staff asked of him but i would like to see him a little bit more involved in the offense from play to play just because i think it makes them yeah. that much more lethal when him and keenan allen are sort of both going off or are a threat to pick up a first down every play um so i'll yeah i'll say you know maybe let's say eight catches 100 yards uh and one touchdown that'd i like awesome, it okay man. yeah that'd be awesome because i i think you know, the narrative around Mike Williams has kind of changed from the first, you know, few games. Of course, you know, mm -hmm. some of that is due to a lack of usage. Some of that is due to him uh, not being on the same page as Justin Herbert. So uh, I would love to see that for sure. Um, my bolt prediction, uh, I teased it a little bit with my key matchups. I think we see three sacks from the interior pass rushers in this one. And I'm going to include mm -hmm. the linebackers. So uh, we've seen okay. Kaiser White and, and Drew Tranquil. Be used as blitzers a lot. I think this interior trio of the Vikings is in a really bad spot. So I think three sacks from and from interior Chargers rushers. 
That's a great predictions, guys. I'm going to go with a really stupid one. <laughs> so we've been not talked about this player in coverage, and I think he deserves to be mentioned more as a player in coverage because every time I watch him, and I, I don't specifically watch him, but I've been watching a lot of his past rush reps since I've had to watch him drop into coverage a couple of times. I say Joey Bosa gets an interception this game. Ooh. He's been dropping into coverage. He, oh, I God. swear, he actually looks kind of good at it. Not that he's like a linebacker good in coverage, but he understands his responsibilities very well. I think he's always pretty glued to a guy unless there's a sort of, um, what's it called? You know, extension of the play and he has to move or whatever. Not really on him, but based on what he has to do normally, he looks kind of good. So I'm going to go with a Joey Bosa interception this game. Yeah, yeah that would be could, awesome. He could get the, it was going to say, you could get like the Melvin Ingram rolling on the ground one that he yeah. had last year. Yeah, so that could, that yeah, could let's be a do Joey it. Bosa special. <laughs> Come on. It's happening. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. All right, let's get to some league picks. I think this is an interesting week. Uh, I believe I get to go first this time. Is that correct? Either way, have at it. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, so my first pick, uh, I'm going to take the, let's see. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Washington football team. Uh, that one's Lost. pretty easy. Um, so I'll take that one. I'll take for a more fun pick. Uh, don't really want it pick anyone in the green bay game given that we don't know what aaron Rodgers <laughs> is, is playing uh or mm-hmm. not uh man i i lied this game this week kind of sucks um <laughs> so. i feel like we've been saying that more increasingly every week but this week really sucks for picks for like five yeah. weeks in a row now <laughs> okay so i'm gonna take tampa bay over washington i'll take the okay. colts over the jacksonville jaguars um and then upset pick of the week i will take uh don't love that one i'll take the philadelphia eagles over the denver broncos oh that's gonna bite you in the ass i've been there done that way too many times (laughs) it's like the only one that seems like kind of appealing to me so that's what i'm gonna go okay all right uh i don't know who's second though oh is it me or is it tyler don't Uh... care I think Alex was first last week, so I yeah, think so Tyler. Good time. Yeah, Tyler, go. All right. Uh, hopefully, my teams don't screw me over again for whatever reason. I can't believe I couldn't gain ground on Alex, despite the Bills losing to the Jaguars and that being his pick. I still couldn't gain ground on him because of my other picks, uh, like the Rams screwing me over. But this week, I think I've got it. I'm going to take the Steelers over the Lions. I'm not going to pick the Lions in the upset because I've done that twice and it's bombed. <laughs> hard so not that one um then i will take the bills over the jets that seems about right but mike white is starting so i don't know how that's going hall to go mike and the bill hall of fame mike white yeah, is starting and the bills just lost the jaguars so it feels risky but a bounce back big game is in order so bills over jets and for the i think second or third time this season for my upset pick I'm going to take the Raiders over the Chiefs. Not because oh my I think God, this guy with the Ra- <laughs> What a Raiders fan. Come on, man. First, I, I was right before the, the, the Ravens game. I feel good about this one. Um, the Raiders kind of have the Chiefs sort of number. They did beat them in Arrowhead recently. Um, so I do think that they can pull this off. Now there's no Henry Ruggs. So that's concerning. But I think the defense is fine. The offense could probably score. I think they'll bounce back from the Giants game. So... Crossing my fingers, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. I knew Tyler was going to go for the Raiders game pick like the whole time. Like, <laughs> you, can have the, you, you can have the Browns one. 
we'll see. Um, all right, yeah. So just to give an update on the uh, Jersey Pick GAC standings, brought to you by ExpressVPN.com/guilty, uh, where you can go and watch the all <laughs> twenty-two job. streams and live streams of all of these games in crystal clear HD quality. Uh, you can go do that uh, for expressvpn.com slash guilty. The standings are, I am 20 and eight, even after going one and two last week. Tyler is 19 and, uh, no, sorry, wait, I got that wrong. Wait, no. Okay, no, I'm 20 and seven. Tyler is- You're right, I'm ahead of you. <laughs> I am 20 and seven. Tyler is 19 and eight. Steven is 12 and 15 uh, yes. as of now. So- <laughs> It makes no sense to me, man. I'm in first place in my work pick'em. Like I promise, I know what I'm doing. It's just this this sure. podcast thing. Don't like, you work don't with kids? <laughs> no, the, the pick'em is with other teachers and counselors. It's with adults. Jeez, we're not degenerate. We're not teaching our kids to be degenerates. We're the degenerates, not them. <laughs> So yeah, everyone went one and two last week, so it was kind of brutal. Uh, so I'm gonna try to rebound this week. Uh, no one took Cardinals over Panthers, right? Correct. I will take Cardinals over Panthers. Uh, so that will be my first pick. Uh, I assume someone took Steelers over Lions. I wasn't listening. I uh, did, yeah. Oh, thanks. And <laughs> uh, I'll take. Did anyone take Cowboys over Falcons? No. Not doing that again. All right. I will take the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Falcons. I think they rebound from what was a poor effort against Denver last week. Come out, win that one. Um, I guess I'm rooting for the Cowboys for the sake of picks. Great. Um, <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I will ride with the Saints over the Titans. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself as an upset pick. It theoretically doesn't make sense, but it just feels like one of those games that shouldn't make sense, but does. Um, hmm. No, I changed my mind. I was I was trying to avoid the Browns. You already <laughs> said the words, man. No, I changed my mind. I'm going with the Browns over the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are favored by two and a half. I changed my mind. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys over the Falcons. I'm going to go with the Cardinals over the Panthers. And I will go <clears throat> with the Browns over the Patriots. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for changing your mind on the Saints, though. I've picked I've picked them to win twice, and they've lost both yeah, of those games. <laughs> it was one of those things mentally for me where I was like, oh, Jameis. And then I remember, oh, Jameis. So, yeah. Then I had Kamara's hurt. Yeah, Kamara is hurt, yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to say anything, but good good job changing your mind. Baker Mayfield. Did you guys know that the Falcons are currently the last playoff team in the NFC? Yeah, I saw that. That's really wild. The last playoff team in the NFC? Yeah, they're, they're the yeah. seventh seed right now. And also, I think like... They uh, are? They are, yeah. yes. You know, what? You know, who, you, know who's the, you know who's the eighth seed? Is it the Eagles? Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, baby. <laughs> He's going to lead them back to the playoffs. <laughs> Oh man, the, the Sam Darnold trade is, yeah, the Sam Darnold trade is going to go down <laughs> as one of the worst in in history. They traded three picks to get Sam Darnold for nine games, and now they're going back to Cam Newton. So, mm. did they trade a twenty twenty one second for him? Uh, like this year's second? I think I think it was a twenty twenty one fourth, and then next year 
a second and a sixth. Mm. If I, I was going to say they could have had Fields and Asante Samuel Jr. instead of Hornet, but never mind. They didn't have a whatever. They could have had Fields or Mac Jones. You know, yes. apparently the, the Panthers coach loves Mac Jones. Uh, so you could have taken. That <laughs> didn't draft three. him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nice. That's like uh, Staley and uh, Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson, oh, I hate you. <laughs> he's, he's now brought up Cordero Patterson twice without being prompted to do so. So that's fun. Um, all right. So before we get to our actual Chargers and Vikings predictions, uh, just want to mention we are going to take questions here in a little bit. So if you haven't mm-hmm. asked a question, now is, is the time. Uh, Super Chat is enabled. So if you want to make sure that we do answer your question, uh, you can use the super chat feature. So I'll start us off with the Chargers and Vikings. Uh, I think this is two teams that traditionally play very close games. I do think that the Vikings will play a little bit more locked in uh, than you know they have shown in previous cases. So I think this is going to be a close one, but I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, I'll say 31 to 27. So I think they just cover the spread. I think they get either a last minute touchdown drive or a last-minute stop to kind of seal it. So I think they win mm-hmm. uh, by a little bit more than a field goal. Um, but I, I feel good about the offense, a little nervous about the defense, which is why I think the Vikings will score more than 20, uh, mm-hmm. 24 points. Um, but I do think the offense is in a good spot right now. Uh, so I'll say 31-27. Um, I'm fueled by my hatred for <laughs> Minnesota, everyone in the entire state. Uh, oh, I'm going to pick 38-7. to uh, same score of the Eagles <laughs> the championship game. The Chargers will win 38 to 7 uh, over the Vikings. Woo! I don't actually think that, but that is my pick this week. Uh, I, you know what? I think this, I think the Chargers are due for maybe a seven or 10 point win, you know, a more dominant effort. So, uh, yeah, 38 7. There we go. Yeah, no, definitely in a game where they're missing their entire defense, that would be yeah. a game to hold them to seven points. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, I, I'm certainly not that optimistic, but I appreciate your effort, Alex. If that happens and you picked 30, 27 to 24 last week, hey, you know, maybe you're two in a row. I'll just kind of shut up. Right now you're ahead in our pick 'em league too. Maybe you yeah. just, you know, you just got, you're just in, a, in the zone right now. Um, but, I, but I don't envision 38 to seven happening. So I'm going to go with 30 to 27 Chargers. It is very, very close. And honestly, in almost the exact same team or same players, same record on a different team, maybe I'd pick them to win. But the Chargers are no longer their old Chargers, I don't think, whereas the Vikings are still their old selves. And so yeah. I think that the Chargers can win on a last-second field goal, I think the same way they basically won this past week. So I, I do think they'll win. I'm very worried about this game, and I think we'll see what the injury report says but because if, if players are now downgraded or Tranquil's officially out, or maybe it's not the same as junior doesn't clear concussion protocol that changes a lot, but I do yeah. think the offense is moving in the right direction. I think they're off the Vikings offensive line can be beaten. I don't think they're as strong in the trenches as the Eagles. Um, so I, I do think that they can pull this off. It's not going to be an easy game. Some people are overlooking the, the Vikings. I don't think it's an easy game at all, um, but I do think they can win 30 to 27. Yeah. And uh, if you want, as Christian Castillo uh, just did, feel free to mention your uh, prediction in the chat if you feel like it. Um, but I do agree that, you know, this this team, it, it's a winnable game. And I, I tweeted this out after the game. But going back to last season, the Chargers are now uh, eight of their or seven of their last 10, excuse me, uh, in one score game. So Justin Herbert really mm. ha- has injected some life into that kind of narrative. You know, I think if this is a one score game, I have confidence that they'll be able to do that. You know, the, the six minute offense, four minute offense, whatever you want to call it, is really becoming 
the yeah. strength of this team. And I think that will absolutely play a part in this one. Um, so I, I know that there were a bunch of questions about Dalvin Cook's status in this one, obviously due to the legal issues. Um, right now, though, that issue, the domestic violence issue, uh, is still a civil case. Um, it is the uh, his former ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, I don't really know if they were ever married, mm-hmm. um, is suing him. So until it becomes a criminal case, the NFL is not going to get involved. Uh, so Dallin Cook is scheduled to keep playing. Like I said, unless it becomes a criminal case, the NFL will stay out of it, um, which, you know, it, it really pisses me off how that is the case. But at the end of the day, it seems like Dalvin Cook is going to be playing uh, the rest of the season, barring an injury as opposed to a legal issue. Yeah, the NFL is really funny with that stuff because they say, oh, <laughs> it's not a legal case, it's a civil case. But it's like, eh, video, Ray Rice, mm, yeah, then we can do that. So when there's yeah. video evidence, we can do something. But when there's uh, nothing that will get our asses flamed, then we'll do nothing. Yeah, I also laughed, you know, the NFL fined or the NBA, excuse me, fined Nicole Jokic fifty thousand dollars for a, a penalty, essentially, you know, a, a bad penalty, but it was a penalty, essentially. And mm-hmm. they fined Aaron Rodgers like twelve thousand dollars, thirteen thousand dollars for <laughs> violating COVID protocols. So it's like the NFL really doesn't really give a shit about <laughs> player protocol at this point. Team Jokic, by the way, fuck the Morris brothers. <laughs> That's a take I was not expecting. Did you see that the the Jokic brothers bought tickets to the, <laughs> yeah. the next Nuggets and Heat game? No way. Yeah. <laughs> I, theoretically, I should like the Morris twins because they're from Philadelphia, but I think they're like the most annoying people that have played basketball. Like, I just hate how they play. Wow. And he deserved to get pushed in the back. And Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is a fraud. He thinks that, that he could so talk. Bad. He could talk five inches away from Jokic, and then he goes five miles away and he starts blabbering. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of people asking about Damon Arnett. Um, there is no. a 0% chance that Tom Telesco signs somebody who was cut from the Raiders for character concerns. So I would don't think he's him... a good player. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> I wouldn't want Damon Arnett if he was the upstanding citizen, member of the Church of Latter-day Saints, and like did everything perfectly. Like I wouldn't want Damon Arnett if he did everything great. <laughs> okay, Alex, but what if he starts over Chris Harris? <laughs> Would you put this guy over Chris Harris? <laughs> I mean, that's a toss-up. That's a pick them. That's like one of the best money lines. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well done. For those uh, listening to this, Tyler showed a, 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 on his phone, he showed Damon Arnett with his AK 47. I mean, um, you know, he keeps fun. that strap on him or strap Harris. Like, you know. <laughs> my God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. Um, all right, I'm not really seeing any other questions. Are you guys? Um, there was one. Uh, I think it's sort of worth talking about. Do you think Josh Palmer, if it's from Omar, mm. do you think Josh Palmer have a breakout game this season? This season? Sure. And I think he played a very similar amount of snaps as Jalen Guyton. I think yeah. that should continue. They used him a lot. Um, wow, okay, it's almost identical. So yeah, he they used him a lot in a pre-snap motion, uh, but they have been working him out wide before. So I think he looks more involved this game. He is actually a big part of what they were setting up on those plays that I was talking about. So, sure, I think he has a breakout game coming. 
Yeah, and you never know, like, if Keenan Allen misses a game or Mike Williams misses a game. Like, I would have full confidence in Josh Palmer stepping into a full-time role. So I think it's it's been building, right? Like, they've clearly had a plan to ease him, Trey McKitty, all these rookies kind of into their roles. Um, but I really like that rotation. You know, 26 snaps for Jalen Guy and 25 for Josh Palmer uh, mm-hmm. is really how I think it should go. Like I mentioned, if you want to give Josh Palmer some yards after the catch play opportunities as opposed to Keenan Allen, I think that'd be a good way to build him up yeah. as well. I thought for sure we were going to get the over on Josh Palmer's three catches uh, when he got his second pass like <laughs> early in the third quarter. And mm-hmm. I was like, yes, my guy. And then they didn't target him the rest of the game. So, um, but it's been fun. I, I think Josh Palmer is a good player. I think he, they're kind of building up his role a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think eventually we see kind of a breakout game. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that it probably will happen is because of injuries. Like we saw Keenan sort of miss two games towards the end of last year. Mike sort of similar after a while. So if one of them you know, pulls a groin, has to miss some time one of them, you know, has to miss a game, then, I mean, Josh Palmer at that point basically becomes wide receiver too. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, at that point, you know, he, he would be due for some yards. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, somebody asked if Tranquil is officially out yet. We do not know if he's out. He's just on the COVID list right now. Um, if he tests positive tomorrow, then he would be out. Um, so Thomas Martinez on the screen O-line question, how can they help the right side this game? Similar plan as with Philly. So I, I think, you know, obviously, you know, you can feel free and go watch my breakdown of, of the protection plan. I think, you know, the way that they moved the pocket for Justin Herbert was fantastic. It, I counted uh, 11 snaps that they moved Herbert out of the pocket, which essentially is like 20 ish, 25% of this uh, dropbacks, that's a great way to help an offensive line. I think the other thing that they did was obviously continue to chip with the running backs, with the tight ends. Um, I didn't really see them send a whole lot of like double teams. Michael Schofield was kind of, you know, doing his own thing against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Um, but that that's really it. I think, you know, it, Kenny Willickis is the edge rusher who played last week alongside Everson Griffin. I'm not like Super concerned about Kenny Willickis. You know, he did have a sack last week against Alejandro Villanueva. Um, so I think hmm. Storm Norton will be okay. I think this is another, you know, good Storm game. I was not expecting one pressure against the Eagles, but I think this is another one to three pressure game. It's yeah, it's the next matchup for Storm yeah. Norton that I'm really concerned yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. Storm will be fine against the Vikings. I'm not expecting a uh, terrible game from Storm by any means. Yeah, I mean, I think Everson Griffin is less scary than TJ Watt. Yeah. Um, so to me, like, this is a game for Storm maybe to build some confidence going into next week because he's going to need it. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, and overall, I think I, I didn't watch enough of the games prior to this and look at this or chart this, but it felt like they were doing more either four wide receivers or five wide receivers. They go empty or spread or whatever yes. they could. Yes. And they just let Justin Herbert deal. Now, the offensive line did have to hold up, don't get me wrong. But he had just, they spread him out and he was able to just deal with whoever. I know, Stephen, you were calling for that all last week and they did it. It seemed like they were doing it more this game, at least compared to the, the Patriots and Ravens games. And it definitely paid off. Herbert was just finding anybody who was open. But then again, the Eagles defense is, they're honestly really bad. Like they're actually really, <laughs> really bad. That defense is, is awful. Like I, I genuinely don't know if I've seen a worse defense. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> you don't have to say sorry. I'm, I'm in tank mode. 
Yeah, Alex. Alex wants them to keep being. <laughs> I gave up like three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, Lorenzo McDaniel asked if this is a Linvaugh Joseph revenge game. I certainly think it could be that. I'm, you know, I've talked about that quite a bit, but mm-hmm. um, uh, Garrett Bradbury is one of the worst centers in the league in run block grade, and he's one of the worst centers. He is the worst center in terms of pressures allowed. So. Uh, this is a good matchup for Levant Joseph, in my opinion. He's been playing really, really well. Last week, obviously, he had six run stops, was a monster. Um, and I think they need him to do that. I, did you guys see that he was clocked at 16 miles per hour? Yes. Bailey? <laughs> that is just insane for a man of his size and his age. Uh, to be what play? There was a play where he was chasing Jalen Hurts. Not the play that he was held on, because he obviously was mm-hmm. being held. Um, but there was another play where I want to say Fackrell had taken the edge and he was being held, and then Limbaugh just mm-hmm. kind of chased him down from that spot. I'll have to go back and watch, but um, he was definitely chasing Hurts. I remember I remember like thinking, like, oh, wow, Limbaugh ran really fast then. Hmm. Nice. I think Limbaugh could beat Kirk Cousins in a 40 time. <laughs> Probably. We'll find out. <laughs> I think he could. He could definitely beat Philip Rivers. That much I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of Tyler, I loved your idea, man. Uh, talking about Cam Newton to the Panthers and and Rivers, uh, that whole situation would be amazing to to see for sure. No, if, if never want anything to happen, Herbert. Ever, ever, ever. No, stay healthy. But if something did happen, and it were relatively soon, not in five years when Rivers is you know fifty seven or whatever, man, Rivers coming out of that tunnel in SoFi Stadium, back in front of an actual group of fans. That place would sell out. I think even people from San Diego would show up for that one. Just one more ride with Phillip Rivers, whoever they're playing. Just a classic Rivers game. They probably lose at the end on a Hail Mary interception <laughs> to Mike Williams. But you know what? It would be awesome. Yeah, honestly, on the Rivers thing, like I really wish the Saints would give him a call. Like that that feels like the perfect yeah. you know, chance for like mm. a you know last hurrah kind of thing for him. But Trevor Simeon, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do something. They apparently tried to call for Teddy Bridgewater, and the Broncos said no. He's he's <laughs> no. off limits. So Vaughn Miller apparently up for grabs in Denver, but uh, not Teddy Bridgewater. Whatever it takes to blow out the Cowboys, right? <laughs> That's how much they hate your luck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Um, all right, guys, this has been a fun one. Alex, final thoughts before we head out for the day. I have five key bullet points. On the state of Minnesota, I would would like to read to you. All right. I will start with the first one. Jimmy Butler voluntarily decided to play with Ben Simmons and now lives in a city that will be underwater in 10 years, as opposed to living in Minnesota. (laughs) That was a choice he made. The Vikings (laughs) have paid Kirk Cousins $115 million in four seasons. By my calculations, that's $115 million per playoff win. That sounds like some blue-collar crime going on, in addition to the fact that Minneapolis is number one in violent crimes per capita. Anyway, Vikings fans talk a lot about the Minneapolis miracle and a great, cool moment, but uh, they forgot to leave out 38-7. They got blown out, and on top of that, Nick Foles did not just beat Tom Brady. Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in Minnesota, in their building. He owns their franchise, too. Anyway, Prince and Bob Dylan might be the only two famous people to voluntarily admit to being from Minnesota. 
Prince is unfortunately dead, one of the greatest artists of all time. So I will read you some Bob Dylan quotes about Minnesota. What is happening right now? <laughs> Bob Dylan said of Minnesota, it was a dark place, even in the light of day. Curfews, gloomy, lonely, all that sort of stuff. We lived there till the end of the war. When asked if there was something positively unique about Minnesotans, Bob Dylan claimed, people are pretty much the same wherever you go. Anyway, my fifth and last bullet point is that I find it interesting that the Vikings have ended all of their games and, you know, we, we talked about really uh, in interesting ways, right? Last second field goals, last second touchdowns, incompletions, dramatic overtimes, all that. But, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that, uh, you know, when you think about it, None of the Minnesota games uh, have ended in kneel downs this year. You would think about that with the Minneapolis Police Department and all, right? Oh, jeez. Wow. And that's my rant about Minnesota. Wow, you went there. Oh, my. All right. And good night. Shout out to Eric So much hatred for Minnesota. I can't even imagine what's going to happen. Do you get your ass kicked at every city you travel to? Just like Cincinnati, Minneapolis, like Pittsburgh, everywhere you that's, go, you just get the crap beat out of you. That's why that's why I'm out of the country right now. I cannot even <laughs> imagine. I cannot even imagine what next week is going to bring because, to my knowledge, Alex hates Pittsburgh more than any other city in the country. Uh, wow, man! All the smoke today. Wow. I'll have to find some more stuff. <laughs> How did we not lose more than five live viewers? What is wrong with you guys? You actually stuck through all of that. That's impressive. They yeah. like hearing Alex's rants, I guess. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, Tyler, final thoughts here, man. <laughs> uh, nope, got nothing else. All right, me neither. Um, I hope everyone uh, that is going to the game on Sunday has a wonderful time. Uh, Rike from Die Hard Bolt Club wants me to mention uh, that he wants to do charge, charge chance in a, opposition to the Skull skull chance that the vikings fans will be doing uh so if you want to get in sync with, with uh rike and the diehard bolt club uh please go do that go visit them uh at thunder alley it's a great time for sure all right that's gonna do it for us today <laughs> alex and his rants i think that's a good place to end uh, uh dbc D <laughs> says alex is the keyboard warrior 100 Yes, Alex wants all the smoke on social media. So be sure to follow him. He's really close to a thousand followers. Uh, so if you're if you want to have a debate about which city is better, yours or his beloved Philadelphia, uh, you know you can go do. You'll that. be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's gonna do it for us. As always, please please leave a rating or a review on the audio podcast form of your choosing. Like and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. And we will be going live on Saturday for our weekly Q&A. So please stay tuned for that. Um, and then Monday, we'll be doing our recap uh, because Tyler is going to be at the game. So uh, stay tuned for all of those ones. Can't wait for that. We'll see you then. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.